0: Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine-fingered host, Dan Johnson. Coming in hot this Wednesday. Hopefully everybody's having a great week so far. Hopefully everybody has... uh, gotten a chance to get outside and enjoy some of this crazy spring weather that we're having hopefully the farmers are able to get the crops in the field before it rains or snows or whatever it does this time of year hopefully the turkey hunters are out and about and uh, having a successful season so far i'm i got two weeks to wait i'm freaking jacked for it Uh, my wife's excited and uh it's going to be the first time in a couple years that she won't be pregnant and uh, we're going to be out there chasing some long beards really looking forward to spending some time out in nature again um a couple days yesterday actually which would have been let's see you're going to listen to this on a Let's see. You're gonna listen to this on a Wednesday, which means it's actually it was actually Monday. I got one mineral station out already with a trail camera over top of it. Um, Really excited for this upcoming season. I'm gonna try. I'm going off the wall off the grid. I'm going to try some crazy access routes to some of my tree stand locations and uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited to give those a try. It's going to be harder to get to but I think it's going to be more safe to get to. I won't be spooking as many deer coming off the fields on morning hunts. Anyway, blah blah blah. Today we have a hunter profile podcast for you and we're going to, going to be speaking with Brad Davidson from Indiana and he's going to talk to us about a mature buck that he chased an entire season, and uh, you're going to have to go to the website and check out some pictures of this buck because his for for his score, you know, he's he's not a giant scoring buck, but his bases are gigantic, and he's a really good buck for Indiana. And uh, I'm going to let Brad Davidson tell this story. So hopefully you guys enjoy, and uh, yeah, enjoy. But before we get into this podcast, I want to send a quick reminder to all you listeners to go check out Exodus Trail Cameras at exodusoutdoorgear.com. These guys are stepping up the uh, trail camera game, and uh, not only do they have a current model available, but they have some really cool things that's kind of top secret coming down the line fairly soon. So go out, check out their cameras, they sell direct, which means that you can only buy their products online at out at exodusoutdoorgear.com and what that means is you're getting a better trail camera for less of a dollar amount so think about that now back to the podcast all right on the show with me tonight is brad davidson how's it going today brad
1: going great Dan how
0: are you doing I'm doing great doing great well it looks to me like you had a successful 2015 uh hunting season
1: yeah sure did
0: all right so here's what we're going to do today we're going to talk a little bit about um I guess your hunting style how you approach the season and all that stuff and then we'll get into the actual buck that you killed um why don't but before we go ahead and do that why don't you tell us a little bit about where you're from and what you do for a living?
1: All right, Dan. I'm, I live in Southern Indiana. And I'm I live in Charlestown, Indiana. Um, I've lived here and you know grown up here my whole life, and I work at Santec Incorporated, which is a global uh, connector manufacturer, and I work in our plating department.
0: Gotcha. So, Indiana, huh? I, I get. I always hear people go. You know, they they're starting to go to Indiana because Iowa's kind of too hard to get into um sure. illinois's hoard out you know there's too many outfitters and it's hard for a, sure. a regular joe to go to there and find some good hunting property um and people have said i've heard people talk about indiana as a sleeper state for whitetails um you know what have you seen from the tree stand over the past couple seasons
1: We don't have any good deer here, Dan. You know, I'm not going (laughs) to show you guys. Uh, Good good answer. (laughs) We we do have some good deer here, and we're starting to see that little influx of outfitters and, um, like, leasing companies coming in, at least specifically in my area. And uh, I haven't been hunting all that long myself, but um, just here the past year and a half, two years, I've seen outfitters kind of coming in and uh, the leasing companies trying to basically just uh, leasing up you know any property they can get their hands on basically and in my opinion of that is kind of uh they're kind of killing it for the little guys that are just trying to you know go out and hunt uh it makes it tough right for sure
0: right I hear that uh I've lost property um to my, you know, myself for uh, hunting company or leasing companies going in and leasing up hunting rights and then selling them off to the highest bidder, especially when the farmer knows they can make a little extra money off of property and have to do nothing to it. Yeah, right. All right. So this buck um, that you shot this year, uh, I mean, he looks like a stud, but before we get into the actual story, I want to talk to you about how you approach your hunting season. I mean, have you, how do you, are you the kind of guy who runs trail cameras all year round, keeps an inventory of all these deer, or do you kind of have, have more of like a laid back approach where uh, I'll throw my trail cameras out maybe in August. And then, you know, I got a couple, uh, couple months worth trail camera picks or explain to me your process. Well,
1: I, I don't run cameras all year round. Like I just recently within the past, or four weeks, pulled my cameras out. Um, seen that most of the deer in my area dropped their antlers, so there wasn't a whole lot that it was going to tell me uh, once that happens around here. So uh, I'll put them back out usually around around June or July, and uh, try to take an inventory of what deer made it through. I, I do try to keep track of the deer that I had uh, the year prior and try to inventory. You know what's what's on my property, and I have a bunch, quite a few small properties, so. Uh, It's not like I've got 1,000 or 1,200 acres to, you know, inventory the actual, you know, what deer are staying on the property. None of these deer are staying on there. I'm just trying to, you know, make them pass through a little bit more frequently with food plots and uh, bedding cover and things like that. Gotcha.
0: So the properties that you do have access to hunt, are they they private ground or do you, you yourself have a lease or is it family owned?
1: It's a mix of both I've got some uh family owned um uh, thats it's, so the that actually the property that I killed the buck that we're talking about um was on a twenty acre piece of property now I lease um the property to the south of it and it's um you know like two hundred acres but it's only thirty acres of woods and I've got permission basically four corners around that property I have either permission or lease that property or you know it's family owned
0: I gotcha. So you mentioned a little bit that you're, you know, you're putting out some, uh, you're putting out some food plots. What kind of food plots are you planning? How, how many acres worth of food plots do you have? Um,
1: between this, on this particular property, I'm planning about, uh, probably about four and a half acres. And I'm getting ready to start actually for 2016, uh, I'll plant soybeans, um, on about three and a half acres, about an acre of um, some sort of an, um, perennial. And then uh, I have a plow-down clover from Fridgy Forge that I plant. Uh, and then I, I usually cover it up with like a big NBC or a quick bot uh, in the fall.
0: Gotcha. Now, do you have all the equipment one needs to do it? Do you do a lot of it by hand? Do you rent the equipment?
1: I do. I have access to basically a tractor with a disc. And um I can do it all on my all on my own. Um it takes me a little while. <laughs> I don't have a tiller. A tiller would make it nice, but um I an old tractor with an old disc and you know, seeding it by hand, fertilizing it, you know, with a with the spreader by hand, uh that's kinda usually the route that I take on that.
0: So you you also mentioned you uh try to do a little bit of improvement on this property, but before you tell me exactly what you're doing as far as maybe like cutting hinge cutting, um what what does the what do the properties that you hunt look like? Talk talk to me about the terrain a little bit.
1: Okay, um, I would probably categorize most of them as just like gently rolling, and most of them are uh, we've got a boatload of you know it's, I was probably the same way as we have a lot of ag fields and uh, small small sections of timber, and usually that's what this particular property is actually like old horse pasture basically uh where i've turned some of it into food plot and then my lease next door like i said earlier is 200 acres probably 30 or 35 of woods. the remainder of that is your you know bean and corn whatever the farmer puts in there uh the property behind it which also i, I have permission to hunt is actually cow pasture and um but I've still been able to see that. I can't do anything on my own. I can't do food plots or anything like that on that property. But uh, I've seen that be productive in the past as well.
0: Okay. So is there a lot of, I mean, where you hunt, is there rivers or creek bottoms? Or is it mainly just flat ground?
1: Um, we do have, I have one lease. It's not going to the property we're talking about that is on the Ohio River. And it's got some big cliffs and creeks and stuff like that. Uh, this particular property has one main creek running through it, and it's got water, unless it's extremely dry. It's got water year round, okay. Uh, and that's a big that's a big help for me. And then we've got a about an acre and a half uh, pond on the pro on the property that's uh, obviously the deer are using that year round as well.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned you earlier that you did a little bit of improvement to some of these properties. What, what, what did you mean by that? What kind of improvements were you doing?
1: i did a little bit of hinge cutting and then some of this, um, field had been, hadn't been like accessed or used within probably five to six, seven years. So what I did on my end was, uh, bush hog a few paths through it and, uh, basically gave some deer some access routes to make it up to the food plot, make it up to, uh, well, you know, by my tree stand, obviously. Yep. Uh, there's not a whole lot of mature trees around. Um, like I said, it's only a 20 acre parcel that my family owns and about two acres of woods on it. So like I, I've always thought you can always make, um, what you have, you know, use as long as you have some bigger tracts of timber around that you can make that property, uh, you know, good for, for deer to use. So that's what I tried to do with this one. And it had a lot of thick sapling growth on it and I tried to make it where they would use it and use it obviously to my advantage.
0: Right. So did you set up your tree stand first and then plant your food plots to where you thought the best tree stand location was at, or did you plant your food plots and adjust your tree stand location?
1: I had initially, uh, I picked a tree and then planted the plots. Um, this is prop this this season coming up will be my third season planting it. Initially I had only planted probably about an acre and a half at this property. And uh, so we picked the tree, uh planted all that and then this past year we planted basically two and a half acres of it and it changed the way the deer came out. So we had to make some Adjustments, move, move, add some tree stands. I left the initial tree stand where it was, then we just
0: kind of adjusted from there on. Gotcha. So you said that this this food plot that you put out it caused the deer patterns to move, or I guess they were they using different trails, or were they coming out at different times of the day? What's the story there?
1: Yeah, they were they were still used, like coming out at the same time, but. Being that the plot was bigger, and this was this season prior was the first year I planted soybeans. Well, they used they came out um, basically around my tree stand. There was a three-quarter acre uh, plot that was shaped like an L, and then there was another acre and a half that was just a straightaway. That probably wasn't more than 50 acres or 50 uh, yards wide. Uh, they used that quite a bit more than I had anticipated. So it it kind of spread out their movement a little bit and I wasn't really I didn't really anticipate that happening at all. Um but luckily we had one mature pine tree that was, you know, a hundred yards away from my original tree stand spot. Uh we set that up and we're we able to capitalize on that.
0: Nice. What kind of what kind of deer numbers do you have in that area?
1: We have a, a pretty healthy uh heard I guess I, I'm not sure I never really ran and did the you know beer per acre type deal the QDMA uh check on that uh, the inventory on that but uh I'll tell you what I did about two and a half acres of beans last year and they never got over probably 12 to 18 inches high and that was with you know basically nothing around but crops like I was really surprised at how they really hammered the beans that I put out Versus what the beans the farmer had, you know, 180 acres, you know, to the south of me. Gotcha. So definitely a healthy number.
0: So on this particular property where you shot this buck, um, what I mean were the were the does bedding on this property? Was it a buck bedding area? Um, from the pictures that. You sent me the grass is still green, so it tells me it was was it somewhat early season when you shot this deer?
1: No, I actually had shot. I shot that deer December seventeenth, and oh. it's everything's still green because it was so darn warm here in southern Indiana. Okay, uh, we finally got a good cold front um, that week that I killed that deer in muzzle Like we didn't we didn't have a whole lot of cold weather uh, throughout the actual deer season. So that's why everything's still pretty green in those pictures.
0: Okay. Well, so you got, you got these food plots, you got, you know, your tree stand set. I mean, how many tree stands are you setting up between all of your properties or, or do you do kind of like a running gun type deal?
1: I've adapted more to the running gun, uh, just because I like the whole hang and hunt scenario. I always feel more confident about hanging that stand and hunting it that morning or evening. But, um, probably between all the properties that I hunt, I'll have about 15 to 20 sets. Okay. Set up.
0: And, uh, so on this piece of property, what this 20 acre piece where you shot your buck this year, how many tree stands did you have on that particular piece of property? And was there a specific wind setup that you, that you were looking for, for that piece? Cause 20 acres, you know, may sound to some big, but it really doesn't leave a person a lot of options.
1: No, it definitely doesn't. I, uh, I have two tree stands on the property and I have one blind. And the blind, I only hunted it one time the entire season. Uh, so I'm actually doing a little different setup with that this year. But on the tree stand that I was in, it was in the mature pine tree that I talked about earlier. Yep. And I had to have a north or a northwest wind. Um, that was probably the best, in my scenario, and the best for the deer.
0: Okay.
1: And uh, finally, yeah, like I said, on December 7th, I I had a, uh, a few times where I was able to hunt that throughout the season, of north or northwest wind, and I've uh, had some pretty good encounters, but uh, on December 17th, when I finally got that, plus the cold front, that's when it all came together.
0: So you mentioned earlier that you start running trail cameras oh sometime around June or July. What was your your buck inventory by then and i don't know are you what kind of hunter are you are you do you kind of go for like an age class do you go for rack size or are you a brown it's down type guy
1: i go for age class basically um i try to shoot for deer that i believe are four and a half or older and when i ran those trail cam pictures our trail cams the first go around i had Gosh, I had at least three or four deer that were coming through those uh, bean, the soybean food plot that I thought were, you know, on the hit list. And <clears throat> initially, I thought that the deer that I ended up killing, which I had nicknamed Lefty off the, the him, uh photos, I had thought that he was probably five and a half or older. I mean, he just, to me, looks like a really old deer. Of course, you never know unless you have – I don't have – years and years of pictures of them, but yeah. uh, there was at least two or three other deer, uh, maybe four deer that I probably would have shot last year.
0: On that particular property or throughout the entire all your hunting property? No,
1: that talking that particular property, and like I said I leased next door to it, which is still keeping that, but between the woods, you know, you're talking 50 acres there. Right. You know, coming through that property, there was three or four deer that I would have taken.
0: Okay. So, and that was in July or, or that's up till August where you started getting pictures of this guy.
1: Uh, I had him right away in July. I I basically had pictures of him all year long.
0: Oh, okay. I gotcha. So you, you had a kind of a hit list put together of the deer that you, you know, that you wanted to kill throughout, you know, the, the piece that you hunt and the piece that you lease. Um, did you kind of have a strategy to go after these bucks or were you in the timber right away? The very first, I guess, like when, when is Indiana's opening day for archery?
1: October 1st.
0: Okay. October 1st. So because you're a bow hunter too, did you jump right into the timber on October 1st? Um, Do you go after does at all? What's your, what's your uh, plan of attack?
1: My game plan is always – I always try to take a couple does prior to, you know, when I think it's prime time for the rut and just the big button moving and everything like that. Um, I didn't have that luxury this year. I wasn't able to make that happen before the catch season and everything came in. Uh, but my, my game plan from the get-go was basically to work from the outside of and try to set up some observation sands and uh, basically just not to get too deep into the end of september uh before I thought the time was right,
0: okay, so you said you didn't get an opportunity at any at any to take harvest a dough correct correct okay but
1: I did have one opportunity i i misranged a dough and I had missed her uh, it was like October fourth
0: that happens man
1: yeah,
0: uh, <laughs> so were you so for archery season, you said you were going to work your work your way in, um, and you kind of had you you said you had some observation stands set up. What were you? What kind of movement were you seeing? And when your trail cameras were telling you early season, were were those hitless bucks still around?
1: Yes, um, those hitless bucks stayed around until, I mean, consistently stayed like coming through that property, probably until like the third week of October, but maybe third until like halfway through that third week. Then I could tell that they definitely probably started moving quite a bit more, um, because I would have some pictures that were like right at the end of shooting time to maybe where they were coming back, um, coming back to bed, you know, later in the evening. Um, so that's pretty much was telling me I didn't have any, I think I hunted maybe two or three mornings. Uh, up until probably that third or fourth week of October, so that just because, and that's really hard to do too, especially when you have small parcels. But uh, I tried to just kind of make it more of a concerted effort uh, to hunt just for evenings or whenever I thought that the, the time was
0: right. Yeah, yeah. So your the bucks they they got up they they were starting to move. Did you make any big attack? Or um, rut like rut push with your bow. Or when does when does Indiana's gun season start?
1: It starts. I uh, started last year on the fourteenth, thirteenth or fourteenth of November.
0: Okay, so it's the second and the second part of the rut. Every year. Yeah. Okay, so w- did you make any pushes into that uh, section of timber during bow season to try to get one of these bucks?
1: I did. Once um, I thought that they were moving quite a bit more or maybe moving during daylight, I, I set a couple different stands up and moved more towards the core of the property where maybe I thought I'd come catch them cruising through and um, I guess I set a new stand probably that third or fourth week of October uh, hoping, but like I said, it didn't pay off for me this year uh, going in that, that deep on the property.
0: Okay. So when did you have any encounters with any of your target bucks in during bow season?
1: Yes, the uh, this deer, deer that ended that I nicknamed Lessee, I saw him in the, I believe it was the first or second week of bow season, and he was with another a couple other bucks. He didn't come close enough for me to to have a shot, but. Uh, I did have one encounter within, I think it was like the 10th or 12th of October. Okay. Coming into the food plot, I was in the big pine tree stand, the one that I ended up killing him out of. Uh, but he was cruising through there, and, and that day he took. Usually they they take this one trail, and they either go left or right, while he went right, and he didn't come left, basically.
0: Gotcha. And what was the wind direction that you were hunting?
1: Uh, that it was a west wind which was only the only wind that i could
0: uh that I could hunt north
1: or northwest out of that stand
0: gotcha and is there with it being such a small piece is your uh access route to that stand location pretty pretty limited or are do you have different options
1: no i only have one option that's why really the north or northwest is the only uh yeah you know, i just have one way in and uh actually one way out
0: okay Let's see here. So you you had an a encounter, what, you had a couple encounters with him during bow season, and then uh, gun season rolled around, and you had another encounter with him. Why don't you tell us about that encounter?
1: I did. Um, it was the second day of bow season. I think it was November 15th. It was a Sunday. It was the, or not the bow season, but the gun season. And I had set up in the stand, and I just, was telling you about that I had set up deeper into the timber. And it, I wasn't sitting there 30 minutes, and I looked up, and I could see that there was a mature buck, and finally it kind of got light enough where I could tell that it was lefty. And at that moment, I, I'd i initially put him on, like I said, I had set the, lit, the hit list in early August. Well, the week before that, I got a few pictures of a deer that was probably pushing 160. So when I saw Lefty that day, that morning, I had, I don't know, I had some doubts about shooting him. So I kind of sat there, and I couldn't couldn't really make my mind up. And when I decided that I was going to take a shot at him, I let him get behind some brush. And I, if I initially shot him when I saw him, he would have be been dead, no doubt he was only 75 yards. So I take a shot at him at, uh, he's still only probably 80 or 90 yards, but he's behind some brush, and uh, I shoot in the clean mist never hit him he never knew really what happened uh, He just kind of trotted off but so yep. that was the uh that was the uh, the uh gun season encounter with
0: him okay now see so, so you had a miss and then what were you uh, i guess when you missed him what what was going through your head R- were you upset that you may never get another shot at him did you have a couple other uh i mean tell tell me what you were feeling what you were thinking
1: well, after sitting there and just kind of pondering on what I was gonna do, I was great. Uh, I was definitely upset that that I missed him after you know he'd given me this. I, had, I was more upset that I didn't shoot him from the get go, basically, because I once you make your mind up, you know, two three months prior, that's probably what you need to shoot. <laughs> that's what, that's what I've learned out of this whole deal. Right. But uh, I, uh, you know, I just kind of let the antlers, the game of inches, kind of kind of get to me. And so I, I was just kind of disappointed in myself more than anything because I I knew I had plus deer and I I know that this deer you know had fit that bill and I just kind of didn't do the right thing right off the bat.
0: Hey, don't feel bad. I tell you what, I had an opportunity at probably a hundred and fifty inch, maybe he was between one forty and one fifty inch nine pointer several years ago, and. He, he, he stood in front of my stand for probably 15 minutes and I had several shot opportunities after at at him, but right when he stepped out further down the fence line, stepped out probably 165 inch, 170 inch 10 that I had been chasing for two years. And then there were some does, it was late October and there were some does, Working, working my way to where this other buck was at had had kind of came out, and that bigger buck was working his way down the fence line, and I thought for sure this buck was going to come to this little corner of this this fence line and this marsh where all the other deer come through, and instead he went. This the bigger buck went right in the wide open of the field and crossed into another section of timber. So I passed a mature deer thinking I was going to get another mature deer. So that the game of inches at that point got me too. So don't feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So you missed him. Um, and it was rifle seize seas- or rifle or shotgun? shotgun shotgun. We
1: have a few rifles. pistol power rifles. Not-
0: gotcha. All right. So then after, after, that your gun your shotgun season, uh, it does it go back to a bow slash muzzle loader late season type deal, or what's the story there?
1: You can actually you can hunt with your bow from January, or October 1st to the end of the season, which is usually the first Sunday in January. Okay. Um so once uh firearm goes out, you have a week where it's bow only, uh, and then you have muzzle loader comes in, which is you can still use muzzle loader or bow.
0: Okay. So, you picked up the muzzleloader. Why don't you tell us the story as much detail as possible? Where you were sitting, what the wind direction was doing, what the maybe what the temperature was, and uh, tell me the uh, you know finish out the story of this buck that you ended up missing that you call Lefty.
1: Okay. Well, I uh, you know, like I said there we got into the muzzleloader season and we had this warm front warm front to seemed like it would not leave. We had a lot of warm weather through muzzleloader here in southern Indiana. So uh we finally got a cold front and it was December seventeenth. Uh I went and hunted the same we had finally had the cold front with a northwest wind and this December sixteenth I went and hunted with no luck. And December seventeenth I went back. Finally had the cold front. It was basically my last opportunity to go sit in this pine tree. And hope that these deer, hope that this, this buck or another mature buck would pop out heading back towards my two blocks. Uh, so I got up, set up there at about, probably about three o'clock, knowing that I was probably way too early <laughs> for that time of the year. Usually it's, uh, you know, the last hour or so. And, uh, at, a, at five o'clock, this buck had plopped out with another buck that he had been paired up with in the early season. And he kind of milled around and made his way, uh, making his way to my food pot, and I was able to finally. Yeah, I, I did not hesitate <laughs> once I saw him. Once I knew who it was, uh, you know, I pulled the hammer back on the Longcore and let him have
0: it. Gotcha. So, did you did you know the shot was good?
1: Yeah, he ran about fifty yards. I took my time. I, I got I videoed him. Uh, self film and uh on you know, video him for like two minutes, and just took my time. he had no idea what to win. you know, I was probably about ninety yards from him had he popped out of the setting area uh took my time shot him and you know he ran probably hit your 50 or sixty yards and stood there, and then I got to watch the tumble whatever it was just like a mixture of a big relief and just like i don't know just a an accomplishment because I kind of had visualized something like that happened with the uh, you know, with the situation with the finally getting a cold front after all those warm days, that it was going to be a good evening.
0: Right. Right. So th- this buck, it has huge bases and he's, he's what? Several, seven scoreable points, right? Seven scoreable points. Yes. So how old did you, I mean, after you put your hands on him and you thought, cause I mean, I look at his head and his head, his kind of his neck looks a little tiny, but that's kind of after all the rut activity had happened but yeah he's got real ma- heavy mass that kind of goes with an older mature buck, but his face and his head look huge what did what yeah. what do you think his uh, age is
1: i, I um uh, like i initially thought that he was a, he was way i thought he was for sure about than four and a half when I took him to my tax service. He initially said, "Yeah, no doubt, five and a half plus." And this guy's been doing it. You know, he's been doing there thirty plus years. So I take his his word for that. But I didn't have multiple years' pictures of him.
0: Right. So he was kind of a nomad buck who showed up on on your property uh, just that year. Then.
1: Yes, from what I could tell, I went back through two years of pictures trying to find a deer that, you know, that I thought was him, and I just I couldn't do it. I, I've had tons and tons of pictures and. Uh, I just can't put two and two together to figure out, you know, if it it was him or not.
0: So for this 2016 season, do you have any hopes? I mean, what were the other hit list bucks that you had on your, uh, that you had on camera that you were kind of hoping either showed up or made it through the season? Did you find any sheds this year?
1: I found a couple sheds. I'll be honest with you. I spent so much time from October to December that, but when the spring comes, when it's time to shed hunt, I just I don't have enough time to do it. Like just said a giant honey to do list, I feel like, <laughs> and I gotta get knocked out because that gets all put on the back burner. Which thankfully, you know, my wife understands. But uh, I didn't find any sheds of any. Uh, I found a few sheds, of not of any deer that I, was, I, think you know, I was looking for. I did have two uh, late January pictures of two bucks that were on my hit list that appeared to have made it through. So hopefully, they make it. Hopefully they made it through the rest of the winter. Uh, one of them was a buck I call the G3 buck. He's got a split G3, and last year he was pushing 160. So hopefully he balloons out to, to a giant or something You know, this season. I think he was, between me and some other landowners, or uh, neighboring landowners that have pictures of him, we think that he's going to be 6.5 in the upcoming season. Okay. And then there's another deer that I believe will be in the four-and-a-half, five-and-a-half range that's just a really wide buck, um, 10-pointer, like a perfect 10-pointer. I'm guessing he'll probably be around 150. Um, But I'm going to try to do the same thing, you know, uh, a mature four-and-a-half-year-old deer that hopefully I can get on camera. Um, You know, that's what I'll try to take. But hopefully hopefully it's one of those two deer.
0: Right. Well... Brad, I want to say thank you and congratulations. Um, Thanks for coming on the show and talking or telling us your story. And then uh, also good luck uh, this upcoming season.
1: Thanks, Dan. I appreciate it.
0: And there you have it. I want to send a quick thank you to Brad Davidson for coming on the show and telling his story. And, uh, I want to send a quick thank you to our sponsor Exodus trail cameras. If you guys haven't already go check them out. And last, but definitely not least, I want to send a a very large and loud thank you to all of the people who listen to this podcast. Thank you guys very much. And like I always say, if you want more information, um, You know, similar stuff to this. Go to the Facebook page, uh, Nine Finger Chronicles Facebook page. Go to the Nine Finger Chronicles Twitter profile. Go to the Nine Finger Chronicles Instagram page. And uh, I try to keep uh, the juices flowing, so to speak. And, uh, if you guys have any recommendations of people that you'd like me to get on the show, or if you know a buddy who is a big buck slayer, um, send me his contact information or have him reach out to me, um, either through social media or you can send me an email at ninefingerchronicles@gmail.com at gmail.com. And, uh, I'd love to get some big buck killers on the show or just any type of deer killer on the show whether it's a gun or a bow or it's whitetails, or it's elk or it's pronghorn you know i'd love to get some guys on the show who may have some experience with alaska hunting uh, some some moose uh you know stuff that i've never done before the, those are the stories that i i know i find interesting but uh hit me up if you got a story like that and you want to be on the show and uh hopefully everybody has a great rest of the week Stay tuned for Friday for for another podcast coming down the pipe, and uh, that should do it. Like I always say, if your butt is in a tree stand and you're off the ground, be sure to wear your damn safety helmet.